0: James Matlock is a research fellow at the Parapsychology Foundation. He's previously worked at the American Society for Psychical Research and the Rhine Research Center. He's written two books on his research into reincarnation. The latest is titled Signs of Reincarnation, Exploring Beliefs, Cases and Theory. In this part one of our interview, we explore James's research into the phenomenon commonly known as reincarnation. Please see the description for relevant links, recommended books and timestamps. So, Jim, to get us started, could you please tell me a little bit about your background and about how you first became interested in the phenomenon that is children who seem to recall memories of past lives?
1: Ah, yeah, that's that's a good question to start with. (laughs) Um, My first choice of career, what I wanted to do from a young child was be a writer, creative writer. Uh, And I remember (laughs) I remember dictating stories to my mother even before I could write them down myself. Yeah. Um, And I I, I, I kept to that idea of a career all the way through college, the university, and but I found I couldn't make a living at it. I just could not make enough money. And um, mm. so I decided, well, I was going to try my hand at nonfiction writing. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I went to my local library um, and I had become interested in, this was the 1970s, and I had become interested in sort of the new age type right. things, which were in the air at the time. And so I went to that section of the library and and looked for a topic and um, that I could write about. And reincarnation sort of intrigued me. Um, it was something I didn't know anything about at the time. I'd had mm-hmm. no experiences of my own. Um, it wasn't part of my life, but it was something in my reading of the literature that I noticed coming up again and again and again. It was more often a metaphorical rebirth, psychological rebirth, but occasionally they were mentions of past life memories and things. Yeah. And people like, um, you know, th- there's some novels about that. Um, so I had seen that and I found, just found it intriguing. And and so that's where I, that's where I began to focus. And um, then through that reading, I encountered the works of Ian Stevenson, who's at the University of Virginia, and he was doing something different than most of the other authors did. Mm-hmm. Most of the other authors at the time were looking at, past life aggressions and on hypnosis. what stevenson did is go out into the field um, and interview children young children and their parents who had these past life memories right Mm -hmm. Um, and their parents and what was different about the children's cases not only were they spontaneous but that he could verify their memories he yeah. could go back and you know and very often they had been actually verified by the families already uh, you know which we can talk about too what that means um in terms of how credible all this is right yeah. you know but anyway he went back and he, he ended for both sides of the uh, both sides of the case right and that's what it was based on and so that's what it's that when i found stevenson's work that was sort of it for me hmm. that's how i got into it because I realized that this is really different from what you've got in regression. And it's very interesting because it it was very difficult. I mean, to explain this stuff away, it really was, the more you looked at this, you know, and he, you know, he had several volumes of case reports that's how I got into it. Yeah. And so that was, that was by, so by the middle eighties, by the middle eighties, I was making connection. I wrote to Stevenson. I wrote to others. I was making professional connections. Um, in parapsychology, yeah, that's how I got drawn into it, and that okay. been ever since then.
0: Really. Yeah, so you were reaching out to them, and what kind of thing were you saying? Were you saying like I would like to, you know, help you with your research, or I want to be involved in this, or I am researching this now, or how did you? Yeah, how did you get your kind of foot in the door then? Beyond that point,
1: right? I guess the first couple of things were, I,
0: <laughs> I noticed.
1: I, I was reading really voraciously in this area, and I kept noticing that one of Stevenson's cases was being misinterpreted. I right. thought, uh, and so I wrote this paper about it, you know, and sent it to him, right, for comment. Yeah. so that was my that was the that was why i wrote which him, case was
0: of, it which was the case in um
1: history? it was uh Imada El-, El elwar who's a um a lebanese case and the controversy that's known now is one that comes from a skeptic a skeptical community but at the time it was one that came within from inside parapsychology and i can i can go on about both of those if you'd like me to but um that was the case and so i wrote this paper and. Um, you know, and sent it to him. And so that was sort of my introduction to him. Um, uh, the other thing was uh, I went to a professional conference and um, I uh, I met somebody there who had just published a book of the sort that I was thinking of writing, D. Scott Rogo, People, some of your audience may know his book, which is published in 1985. Um, and uh, so I, I went to the editors of one of the journals and asked if I could review it I found out later they had been trying to decide who to send it to to review so it was like I, I appeared just at the right time for it and I got that review so those were my first two uh things in parasite in on reincarnation research in parapsychology
0: yeah cool and would you do you have a number if I asked you how many cases at this point you think you've or how many accounts you think you've uh researched in one way or another
1: Oh, I personally, uh, oh, probably no more than a dozen, although it's sort of growing, but mm. definitely, you know, l- less than 20 for me. I mean, but that compares to h- many hundreds, maybe thousands for Stevenson, yeah. you know, and, you know, scores for other people. So, yeah.
0: So is you've been kind of spending time like looking at the cases as an overview, kind of doing meta analysis almost.
1: That's right. That's where yeah. most of my research has been until the last I don't know five years or so well the first uh i i guess with erlinda harrelson who was one of he was yeah. trained by um by stevenson um uh he was the first generation of researchers after stevenson mm-hmm. um invited me to co-author a book with him because yeah. i i knew a lot of I I was very well acquainted with the literature, and it sort of balanced him because he had been focused on studying cases in um, in in Sri Lanka, in, uh, among the Druze in Lebanon, in, in his native Iceland, and he wanted this balance, and so I joined him with that, and that was, that was published in 2016, and that book was the first time that I really began to get into cases, but I've been studying cases ever since then, you know, mm-hmm. and so that's what, the last six years or seven years, you know, yeah. that I've been getting into cases. Yeah. Uh, and before that, it was it was more literature reviews, analysis, you know, getting into the literature. But because because I focused on the literature, not on cases, it gave me more time then mm-hmm. to really study the literature. And so yeah. that gave me sort of it. So, you see, uh, that gave me that's why we complemented each other. He was focused yeah. on the field, on the cases, and knew those much better than I did. But I knew the broader literature better than he did. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. What was the book called that you wrote with Alanda?
1: It's called um, I Saw a Light and Came Here. Yeah. It was published in nineteen sixteen. And that that line actually came from one of his cases. Um one of the girls in Sri Lanka actually said this. Um, wow. that after she died, she saw a light. You might it reminds you of near death experiences, right? Yeah. I saw a light and came here, meaning I was reborn. I this is where this is the next thing I remember
0: after I saw the light. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's fascinating. What would you say to you are some of the most compelling cases? You know, I know there's, there's loads, there's some in, in America, which have an extra layer to them, because maybe then, you know, they go against the cultural beliefs. Um, but there are, there are so many compelling cases all across the world. What would, which ones stand out to you?
1: Uh, Among American cases or just worldwide? No,
0: worldwide. I'm just saying American kind of has that extra element of, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, well, you know, there are many, many cases that stand out, but for different reasons. Yeah. I think the most powerful cases are the American cases, though, the really strong American cases, because they're unexpected. Mm-hmm. uh because we don't have the culture that supports them yeah. uh you know when they appear here like james the james leininger case for instance which is many of you know in your audience probably will know of because it's a very famous one
0: yeah um i interviewed where, bruce as well james's dad are uh, you
1: bruce's yeah. uh, james father bruce um you've already interviewed him so yeah. you know your, your audience who follows you will be acquainted with that case um another one um that I found very compelling. was one that I, well, I, I, I'll i get to, if I may mention two more, I'll of I'll course. mention two more. One yeah. is mine and I'll say that one at the end, but another one is one that was investigated by Jim Tucker, who mm. is um, uh, at the university of Virginia. He was one of the people that Stevenson brought on and he succeeded Tucker. He succeeded Stevenson rather Tucker mm. succeeded Stevenson. Yeah. Um, uh, with that portfolio, the Reincarnation Research Portfolio at the University of Virginia, and he's now director of the division. Um,
0: spoken to Jim as well, by the way, just in case uh, anybody's anyway. interested. <laughs> oh, you've spoken to Jim too. So you've spoken to everybody already. So your
1: audience probably will familiar with these. I was going to mention and he, he he worked with the, the with the uh, uh, the uh, James Liningo case too. So he's probably already talked to you about that, and uh, maybe um, already talked to you about Ryland um, Hammonds. Um, as well, which is a, another one of cases that he originally investigated, but it's very strong. Another American case, yeah, yeah really um, strong case. And one one reason why those are strong is not only are they American cases, um, uh, but they have written records made before yeah. the cases were, were 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 solved. At least the Ryan Hammonds does. His mm-hmm. mother kept a very long, detailed list of his statements before she even contacted. Jim Tucker about it, yeah. and before they, they 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 figured out who Ryland was talking about um, with um, James Lininger, um, there wasn't a prior written record, but there but when Jim Tucker went back and investigated the case, he found that uh, um, that Bruce had kept certain internet down dated internet downloads and other mm. things. Um, showing, you know, that there was indeed, uh, you know, you know, documenting that James had said certain things before,
0: yeah.
1: um, before th- solving the case, um, and, and so that's that's one thing that makes these cases very strong. They're very detailed cases, also, um, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's the 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 Ryland case, which I'll go into more detail because it's my case and because you haven't heard it before, your audience hasn't. And it's not as well known. Um, uh, some may know her from Ghost Inside My Child. Uh, the, she had an episode in the the second year of the, the, of that show, um, you know, which is uh, it only we ran for two years, but the episodes are still available um, on the internet on YouTube, and yeah, um, you can still find, people, yeah. Yeah, and many in audience, I'm sure, will have. So she did an episode on that, but I, I, I came to the case a few years later, right, and so I can give more information on it. Yeah. Um, I interviewed interviewed her when she was ten, and she still had her memories, which is unusual, actually. Uh, yeah. Most of these children uh, who have them from young childhood will forget them by that age, but she still remembered, and um well there's several interesting things about occasion. i don't want to take too much time with it uh but just briefly because there are really interesting features of it yeah
0: take, take um, a few when months, she yeah.
1: was yeah when when she was uh very young um i mean in her first year um she was no problems an ideal child and then towards the end of her first year she started having behavioral problems sleepwalking um uh sometimes nightly several times a week um as she got a little bit older she would start complaining about um her shirts uh one of the tags cut out of her shirts complained that it felt like her skin was burning and this sort of thing went on for several years i mean <laughs> and, and the family didn't know what to make of it i mean I, she's not really talking about anything at this point you know yeah then when I, you know, she's talking, but she's not talking about past life memories or anything. Yeah. Um, and it, when she was three, um, her mother took some photographs of the family, had hired a professional photographer to come in, take photographs of the family. Um, and one photograph, in one photograph, Brylin is staring at something with just this ashen look on her face. Astonishing. She's just, some she's seeing something. There's nothing really there for her to see. It was just her yard. I mean, she was looking at her yard. Mm. Um, whenever and, and, and so these, you know, her mother then framed these photographs and put them around various places. She put this particular one in her office. Mm. Whenever Ryland visited her mother's office, she would come in on this photograph. She would say, I was bigger in that photograph. And her mother would argue, What do you mean you were bigger in that photograph? This doesn't make any sense. How can you have been bigger in that photograph? But she would keep every time she visited the office and say the photograph, I was bigger in that photograph. And what it, it took another couple of years, actually. Wow. Um, before it, one night she was in bed, but just before she went to sleep, her mother just read her a book, turned off the light, and Rylan says, um, do you remember when I was bigger in that photograph and my mother began starts? What does this mean? I mean, and she said, I died. Um, she said, I was, um, this is what she told, I said at the time, she said, I was standing in, in our yard. Mm-hmm. She said, our yard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I was hit. I, I was hit by lightning. That's that's how she interpreted it at the time. That's what she wow. said at the time. Yeah. Um, now after that she started saying more things Mm -hmm. um and she would mention she would often mention um um louisiana when asked uh where she had lived before she said well maybe i'm not sure maybe canada um and then when she was and she mentioned the name jennifer uh and among other things, those are the most significant for this story um and then, when she was six um the uh the memories started uh becoming stronger and uh she told her mother uh, one day that she remembered a plane crash not right. not a not a lightning strike, but a plane crash yeah she, she said she' would drive in a plane crash. Um, and she'd also asked her mother around that time about the year 1971, so uh, which was the year of her mother's birth, incidentally. So um, anyway, so they, these gave her mother enough clues then to go to the Internet and look for plane crashes in Canada in 1971, Louisiana in 1971, whatever. She yeah. couldn't find anything in 1971 in, in Canada. When she looked 1971 in Louisiana, bingo. There was a plane. There was a. It wasn't in 1971, but there was a plane crash at the airport, the international airport in Saint in um, New Orleans, outside mm-hmm. of New Orleans, in Kenner. Now, Kenner, Canada, you can sort of see, right. that, you know, yeah. similar sounds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, and furthermore. <laughs> um, Okay, so this then what happened with this plane crash is that it took off from the New Orleans airport. It hit low altitude wind shear shortly after takeoff, crashed into a residential neighborhood less than an, less than a mile from the end of the runway. Everybody on the plane died, of course, but six people on the ground did. Yeah, okay. she was on, Yeah, one of them was a girl named Jennifer. Yeah, who was born in 1971. Okay, so. This is where we sort of left it with with Goats Inside My Child. Goats Inside yeah. My Child had that much. Wow. Um, when I interviewed her at 10, so four years later, um, she told me something else. By that point, the memories had become even clearer in her mind. And she, what she told me is that she then remembered sitting in the carport talking on a telephone. And this was 1983. So shes you have to imagine one of these long cord. We didn't have cell phones back then or not you know—not as common now. So you have to imagine one of these cones, phones on a long cord reaching into the kitchen, right, which is adjacent to the carport. Yeah. You have to imagine that. And she said she was sitting in a swing. And I said, I never heard of a swing in a carport. And most people I've, who have asked have never heard of a swing in a carport. I said, are you sure it wasn't a swing in a yard? Are you sure it wasn't a porch swing on your porch? no she was sure it was in the carport and she was sitting then in the carport on the telephone watching as this plane came towards her okay
0: yeah um that's wild
1: and 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 then she said that she thought she had become she had gotten electrocuted over the telephone line yeah okay now i invest when i investigated Yeah, but you see, yeah. but now it's over the telephone line, so it's still electrocution, but not yeah. a, a yeah. lightning strike, right? It just become yeah. clearer, and this is one of the interesting things, the clear how the memory becomes clearer over time. So anyway, in investigating these cases, I, I, you know, I and most workers today follow stoda Stevenson's methodology, where you go and you interview the family first, and then you go and you interview people on the other side to see what you can confirm. So I did this. So after interviewing her family, I went to Kenner, Louisiana and talked to people there, her old friends. And um, I also went and got her autopsy report, Jennifer's autopsy report. Jennifer's autopsy report. And because none of her friends knew, nobody at the time knew what happened to Jennifer. She just like disappeared. Mm. Nobody knew what happened to her body. Uh, you know, and there were various ideas and because the plane took out I think it was 12 houses. The first house hit was Jennifer's, but then it took out several houses in the neighborhood on three streets. It was a major, major, major thing. Mm. And there were various ideas. Jennifer's body was thrown out, you know, and so forth. It was never found, whatever. Okay, I got her autopsy report. The body body was covered from the floor of the carport. Okay. It it was 100% burned. There was no, however... Significantly, there was no sign of smoke inhalation, yeah, and no sign of of discoloration of the blood. That indicates that she was dead before the plane hit the house and before the fire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so she could have, she could have been. The other thing I found out is um is that well, you know, I I could see that that the telephone lines and the power lines ran in, right in front of her house. And the plane would have had to have sliced through them. Yeah. would have had to. There was no other way. What I found out was, back then, the power lines were not insulated. I mean, it's incredible. Why do you put uninsulated power lines just three feet above telephone cords? But apparently, that was what was done. Save and uh, yeah, yeah that, that would be the answer, you know. Yeah. And so, you can imagine then, an uninsulated power line hitting a telephone line. It's yeah. possible. Yeah. You know, and so, but of course, because her body was completely burned, you know, all traces of that were were gone, and so the autopsy report was really very short, and that's basically all it said. But it it confirmed her story, didn't it? You know, in in really in incredible incredible ways, and in ways that nobody knew, Mm. nobody had a clue.
0: Yeah. So it confirmed that she was in the carport confirmed kind of the, the the lightning is more you know it's, it's not as direct as the she was in a carport but there's certainly something there um that's really interesting that yeah the idea that she she died before the plane made contact with where she actually was and and the electricity yeah that's and nobody that's, that's really it. fascinating yeah. the
1: other thing was when i was in the area i walked around to look at the other houses uh you know and it's one of these subdivisions where everything was built around the same time i found another house with a carport and I mean a swing in the carport
0: yeah really
1: there's a photograph of it I mean there's a swing in a carport in the house and just a block away from it that wasn't touched in the in this Mm. (laughs) it's unlikely is that is all of this seems it was confirmed
0: wow yeah that's wild that's a wild case <laughs> and i that's really fascinating particularly because her memories strengthen at the age of like six and and you know at ten they're still there and as you say that's kind of atypical for for these it, cases it is. normally it six is. is when they start to kind of lose it, them lose it them yeah
1: it, it is but what we do see um is an incubation process in some other cases, in some of the cases, particularly Stevenson's that deal with very young children, the memories that are sort of there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But the more we study this case, these cases, the more we see this sort of incubation process, the James Lininger case had a much, had an incubation too, but much shorter. Um, uh, You know, there, there are interesting things about that because of course he was the third James, right? his name james was a family name so it was just coincidental that he was the third james but one can understand i mean he had if he's given the same name how that could be part of a subliminal trigger right yeah um also he was living let me get this in he was living um when they moved originally he was born actually in california but then the family moved um to Louisiana, and originally they lived very close to the airport there, where all the time, daily, several times a day, he would have heard planes flying over mm. and seen them. So yeah. again, and, and then his nightmare sort of start started of, of dying in a plane crash started after that. And then gradually, you know, he's able to articulate it. So again, you see this sort of incubation where where there was some trigger and, you know, and, and then it took a while for it to surface. Not quite as yeah. long as it is with
0: Ryland, but the same sort of idea yeah which is a really fascinating idea because obviously one of the the kind of the things that we all wonder is what makes these children remember the previous life why don't all of us seemingly i'm not saying we we, we may we may remember our life when we're younger we may just not talk about it and and then That's we right. forget but yeah. we assume that okay why do these children remember it why do they talk about it so you think maybe there could be some kind of correlation with triggers and and remind like you know things that were similar in, a, in a, the previous life to the current life
1: Yes, I mean, I, th- I think it's more. Um, yeah, the, the triggers are very important, and this yeah. queuing.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but and but the, it's interesting because there are things that we see on both sides that are factors here. Uh, the queuing is obviously on the child's or the subject's, the case subject side, right? It can be it's adults also. Remember previous lives and adults' memories are also triggered by things, and it's easier sometimes to see the triggers with adults. Mm-hmm. But the, the the more you look into these child cases, the more you see sort of triggers. Yeah, I mean, run, it's something I, I skipped over with Rylan One of her early trick, well, one of the triggers was that ph- having that photograph taken, and that the the reason that triggered is it, what it turned out was when I I when I went to when I went to Kenner, then I took a photograph of what Ryland saw from her carport, and I sent that to her mother my phone Mm -hmm. and when my mother saw that it was a great aha and she sent me back a picture of their yard showing what Rylan would have been looking at when that picture was taken yeah and the resemblance between the trees and there was a power pole also was very similar to what Mm -hmm. Rylan would have seen I mean, what Jennifer would have seen just before she died. So you see that that's so that was, you so that was the trigger. And that was why the photograph, and that's why she's saying I was bigger in that picture because the, the picture is reminding her of this experience. Mm. But yeah. even before that, a very curious thing when she was very young, and this was sort of around the time that the sleepwalk and other things started, so it was probably the first trigger, she would go into her family's bathroom and pull out the drawer of the vanity. And it was a vanity that had a series of drawers, you know, large drawers. Mm -hmm. And um, she would pull out the drawers and it was a curious sort of thing. She wouldn't take anything out. She would just look at the things in the drawers and close them again. She would do this repeatedly. Well, it turns out that Jennifer did the very same thing with a neighbor across the street. Um, The neighbor, Jennifer, would do odd chores to earn some money and the neighbor was one of the ones that you know that that paid her you know to to do things she had the habit of going into the neighbor's bathroom going to the vanity pulling out the drawer looking at things not taking anything out and shutting the door very same behavior
0: yeah wow so that's that's a really intricate little little detail yeah. there. That's that's quite compelling when, when yeah. it's in combination with everything else. With because... everything else,
1: that's right. Yeah. You know, and so it can be these sort of triggers and that aren't really obvious at the time. You know, it, it can take some time to figure them out too. Yeah. Um, but that's so that's that sort of thing is on the subject side. Mm-hmm. Then we also see factors on the previous side. You see, and this is psychologically very interesting because we've got both. So it's not, it doesn't seem to be just up to the subject. It's also up to the previous person. So what makes things memorable on the previous person's side? One thing is violent death. Yeah, I mean, traumatic death, it's going to be more memorable. Mm -hmm. A traumatic death is also something which is premature. Yeah. Usually. Um, And so things are broken off. And the whole the theme of unfinished business, whether it's a pre- premature death or just you, you know, dying prematurely and so leaving things undone, is a major is a major, major, major factor um in this. Um, so and those things don't have anything to do with the subject. They have to do with the previous life. yeah, but they seem to make the the previous life more memorable or somehow or more pressing against the uh, con- i i against the awareness right i think mm. these memories are in the subconscious part of the mind yeah i don't think memories are stored in the brain i think they're stored in the subconscious and so when i think consciousness survives death and reincarnate and possesses the new body and that's what we call reincarnation and the memories are still there in the subconscious and it's just a matter of bringing them up to the conscious awareness again and so what we're talking about is the is the things that make it more probable that the memories are going to arise then into the conscious awareness and so but we see things on both sides, both the previous side and the subject
0: side. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it's always one of those things that will wonder is like the, the the violent death, for example. Does that make us more likely to remember the the previous life or does it make us more likely to be reincarnated? And of course, we, 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 that's the, the thing we, we don't, we don't, we don't know. know. Yeah, we don't know yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, but either way, we see a fascinating correlation. Um, let me ask you a, a kind of interesting side thing that that's, I, I often wonder about. Do, have you come across many or any accounts um, of, of people who remember their birth, remember being born? There are some. Uh,
1: you know, the past life stuff focuses on past life memories, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But also in about 20% of these cases, 20% also, not an insignificant number, yeah. children will say that they remember things that happened after their deaths, before their births. Mm. And occasionally they will also talk about remembering their
0: births. That's so, right.
1: yeah, birth memories do figure into these cases sometimes.
0: hmm and did you think the birth memories come up more frequently when there are intermission memories from that time in between as well, or is it if you don't have the data well, to be able to give a definitive, you know, answer on that, that's fine? But
1: right, well, in the reincarnation cases, yes, because we're looking yeah. at, um, we're looking at, you know, the past life memories, and then we see these other things that go along with them. But there, 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 there's another class of. These experiences that are called pre-birth memories, which Mm -hmm. are are memories of life before birth, but not of previous lives. Right. And, you know, and they're more likely, I think, to have the birth experiences. And then there are people who remember things early in their lives in their birth, but don't have memories of the womb or previous lives. So. Uh, yeah i mean in 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 the reincarnation context there're not many there's they're sort of unu- very unusual to have memories going all the way through to birth yeah. um but if you ask just about birth memories without womb memories or previous life memories yeah there 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 are a fair number of
0: yeah well wow, it's really interesting um i had somebody comment on one of my i think it was my my interview with jim um somebody commented on that asking a question that I found quite interesting so I I wanted to ask you this um so so they asked they they, they were wondering if there were any accounts of or, or cases you know just if there's yeah accounts is the best word for it are there any accounts of multiple consciousnesses uh example husband and wife who planned their reincarnation at the same time so maybe they did that in you know in in the next realm in in their intermission period maybe they planned that but are there any accounts um yeah of this phenomenon of two consciousnesses seemingly that had a relationship in in the previous life then seemingly coming back and and having again a close relationship in the next life and then maybe once they access the memories maybe they are able to divulge that oh yeah we 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 might remember now that we made this agreement or whatever to to come back and be be together again seems kind of out there but interesting nonetheless what, what have you ever heard of anything along those lines yes yeah <laughs>
1: um uh, there there are cases in which um in which uh what we call planned reincarnation where a decision right. of where to yeah. go is made before death yeah I don't know of any Cases where people jointly plan that, though. What we do see is cases um, where where people come back together, uh, particularly twin cases. There are a number of these twin cases, and one of the things interesting about them is that in every every single case, uh, twin case in which both children Mm -hmm. recall the previous lives, they knew each other.
0: Yeah,
1: they can know each other as siblings, as friends, sometimes as spouses, and these can be both identical and fraternal twins.
0: Wow! Yeah, so, really it,
1: it, when, when their spouses, one of them has changed sex in the next life, um, but there are there are exa- examples like that.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: You know, um, and so and so to answer the question, then uh, it does seem like you know that yeah, these people must have gotten together. You know, in the afterlife, and plan to be reborn together. Mm. Now, there's a there's an Italian case that sheds light on this too. It says specifically this: the case of and Alessandrina Simona. Uh, people may be familiar with that. It was a 1911 case. It's a famous early case of reincarnation, um, where um, uh, in a mediumistic communication. Mm-hmm. Um, Alessandrina says that she's going to come back and she's going to bring somebody with her because she met somebody in the afterlife and she was going to bring her back as a twins. Now this is before the mother knew she was going to have twins before the, and the doctors were at this point saying, no, you're not going to have twins. She had twins. And one of them was Alessandrina who then had, had not much of a memory in terms of what we know now, but did have a memory um mm-hmm. and that's what that was why the case was it came out in 1911 wow. um yeah so that's an example of you know of people saying you know yeah. to a medium not a child remembering but yeah. that they that they that they met up you know and you know and so you can imagine you know how that would be the true of of these how else would it happen really
0: yeah I mean the I think the only other way is like it's some kind of maybe naturalistic process and for whatever reason those two consciousnesses are connected in some way that we can't really comprehend but obviously we're kind of when we talk about yeah the the, these kind of things I guess we have to speculate a little bit and we have to you know because there we get away from the, the hard data um let me ask you what your thoughts are on one of the really in my opinion fascinating elements and compelling elements of these cases so as most people are probably aware of there's more to it than just statements we have like uh you know there's recognition there's behaviors fears phobias play um announcing dreams predictions there's various kind of categories of this of these cases, but the one that I I really find the most compelling is birthmarks, probably the you know ah, the birthmark cases. And you've okay. probably read I haven't read it, but you've probably read Jim's book, um, reincarnation and biology, because you've read so many of Jim's uh the, the, Jim's That's
1: books. Ian Stevenson's. That's Ian Stevenson. I mean Ian. Sorry, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ian's book. um But anyway, yeah. What do you What do you make of these these birthmark cases? And and yeah, which which would be the most compelling example for you, or what is a compelling example for you?
1: Okay. Well, let me let me first of all, if, if, if more generally, say you are absolutely right. Um, yeah. You know that these cases can consist of more than memories. That uh, they all of all the dimensions that you talked about. All right. Um, okay. The birthmarks. The birthmarks are indeed extremely interesting, and it's not just mm. birthmarks. It's birth defects too, sometimes, yeah. and sometimes very dramatic birth defects. Mm. Um, that are related to the past life memories, you know. Right? You know, people remember deaths, you know, that can be confirmed. And you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, one of the things that Stevenson did, he 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 would he would go and get, you know, medical reports, autopsy reports, and so forth, um, which would then corroborate um, the, this. Not only the memories, but also match uh, these deformities. So the question is, how can this happen? How can we get birthmarks? How can we get birth defects, right? How is that possible? You can sort of understand how memories, how behaviors, how emotions and things could transfer to consciousness. But how can birthmarks, you know, um, I think they can um, if they're psychogenic. Mm -hmm. That is the mind, the incoming mind, the reincarnating mind is responsible for them through the process that parapsychologists call psychokinesis which is mind over body it's the same process that we see in poltergeist in stigmata in psychic healing you know mm. it's the mind influencing the body and i think that's the answer
0: yeah yeah i think i think those cases are so fascinating but it also kind of i don't know it has this this element this how do i want to get my words together to explain what i'm thinking here um it's the sorry. I'm having a complete mind blank. I'm just trying to think how I <laughs> how I want to phrase it best. It's often hard to phrase these things, but it's the idea that something would stick with us. So, for example, in a case where there's a, they the previous the previous the previous personality had half their leg, you know, was amputated because it was infected. So let's say the the next personality has yeah a, a limp, a very noticeable limp, or a problem with their leg, or what have you. They, you know, wouldn't necessarily. It's kind of almost like inverse karma. It's it's like if you have something wrong with you, then maybe you're just gonna have that thing hanging around with you in the next life because it was a a traumatic thing for you and it was imprinted kind of into your consciousness. Right. And that, I guess, gives me you know, it, it, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't sit great with me that that maybe <laughs> that's how things work. You know, because it might right. work the same way with mental illness as well. So, say somebody right. was very depressed in a previous life. You'd like to think right. that okay maybe they'll be able to catch a break and you know they won't remember that bit and they'll get a fresh start but in some cases at least it seems if we're basing it on on the birthmark phenomenon that 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 following personality would then be afflicted with or could be afflicted with yeah again a depression or some kind of mental health issue or what have you and yeah it just it's one of the less comfortable i guess areas <laughs> of uh of this whole phenomenon would you agree
1: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and it's, it's one of the things that sort of goes counter to what many people imagine with karma, you yeah. mentioned k- karma there, I'm just following up on that. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, the karma idea is that, you know, you do good, and you know, you're rewarded, you do bad, and you know, you're, you're not, you know? and mm. so, uh, or, the, but what we see in the cases, is, it's not the, it's the victims who bear the scars, Right um you know the perpetrators basically get off scot-free unless unless they have guilt about it and if if they have guilt about it that guilt carries over right and you know with the um with the victims they'll have phobias they'll have you know in addition to you know being maimed and things and um so so yeah we see that and we do see you're right i mean we do see things like you know if 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 there was a um if a leg was badly hurt there can be a limp we also, this is an interesting thing too, that comes up sometimes with birthmarks. There can be phantom pains.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which again is just fascinating. Wow. What do you think about cases where there are anomalous dates? I think it was I think it was Ian it was either Ian or Jim that I think came up with that that term or coined that term of like the anomalous date cases. I can't remember but I It was, it was...
1: Stevenson who came up with them and who who first wrote about them mm-hmm. um in 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 fact he has one in his first book uh 20 cases suggestive of reincarnation his first book of case reports the case of Just Beer. These are cases where um where that a child remembers the previous life of someone who died after they were born that's why he calls them anomalous date cases now when you look at those cases like the case of just beer mm-hmm. just beer had um i think he was sick or something he seemed to die just beer did Mm-hmm. then he but he he unexpectedly revived he came back but he came back with his different personality claiming to be this different person yeah and that's what these anomalous date cases are like you know and some of them the the, the this happened when they were very young and you can't really you know the difference but just was three at the time this happened um others are in their teens um and very occasionally there have been um the ones where, where people were even older yeah. one of the common denominators in this is that there's a seeming death and then a revival but with entirely different personality so if we think of near-death experiences that's where there's a seeming death but then you come back to the same body mm. these are similar but and but you don't come back to the same body another personality comes back to the body right yeah yeah now um i prefer to call though and tucker did write about one of those two in one of his books jim tucker wrote about them too yeah. uh but it was ian stevenson who coined the term anomalous date cases and who was first to um to write about them um now um I prefer to call those and to think about them as replacement reincarnation, because that's essentially what they are. Mm -hmm. Anomalous data is kind of, you have to explain what does that mean and all of that. Um, Replacement reincarnation is something, it's easier to understand, right? It's a term that just makes more intuitive sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's going on here. Uh, And there, you know, there are more than a few now. Um, For viewers who are interested in that, there is a um there is a very 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 useful resource called the science encyclopedia that's on mm. the, the web and internet it's our it's parapsychology's answer to Wikipedia basically the yeah. science encyclopedia um I, but I have an article on replacement reincarnation so uh so anybody who's interested more in learning about this phenomenon can go and just Google that replacement reincarnation and science encyclopedia and they'll find if you in fact if you just if you just put in uh replacement reincarnation you'll probably find this article I'll put
0: the link in the description anyway so yeah, okay. anybody who okay. wants to scroll down and you'll you'll find it there right um, but
1: but it is an interesting phenomenon for sure
0: yeah definitely strange and, and interesting and, and intriguing and everything like how and why and and everything I mean maybe yeah. there's like you say some kind of death on some level but it seems strange the idea that the body is able to continue living but then for some reason there's a replaced you know we're replacing the consciousness that inhabits said body it's, right. Well, we
1: we 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 know now that death is a process, right? I mean, I don't know yeah. if you've talked with um, um, with people who study that, but uh, we know now that death is yeah. a process. It takes time, you know. Also, in a lot of these places, you know, India. I mean, in, in the times in which this happened, you know, medical care wasn't what it is now. I mean, and so mm-hmm. you're you, you're talking about de- seeming deaths. Um, at, in times and places where there wasn't necessarily a lot of good medical care. And, you know, and so it's not like these happen in a hospital setting, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, and so if somebody seems to die, they're not necessarily medically close to death. But even in a hospital setting, we now know that people can technically die. I mean, I, you know, they they you know, all signs You know their hearts have stopped and the 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 brain waves but but somehow they come back and those are what we call near-death experiences we can bring them back um so i don't you know i to me it's not that much of a reach really
0: yeah no no i i I agree it's just yeah it's harder to wrap the head around let's say than than a lot of the the areas that, that we've been talking about um before we kind of came on air we were talking about um we were talking about Facebook groups and reincarnation Facebook groups mm. that you're in charge of I ha- I was going to ask you anyway about how common you think reincarnation really is um and you were saying that because of those groups that you've realized it's more common than than most people think it's just it's one of these areas where we're so far away from having a definitive you know like answer aren't we in terms of how common it is does everybody reincarnate because of so many reasons a multitude of factors like that it's yeah. for so many different reasons we're afraid to report these things parents right. would just dismiss them as play as fantasy even if they actually weren't dismissing of them in in their own mind they might dismiss them for the child's sake or for the sake of their reputation as a family or or what have you to protect their child from getting bullied at school they might think no we have to shut this down they might not even notice child might say a couple of things to the parent and the parent might not click that that could be something else so again i think that it's very hard to say how common they are and and it's certainly you can't dismiss it and say oh it's only like a few thousand people in the world that have had this that so far away from that but anyway what what are your thoughts on how common they actually are how prevalent this phenomenon is and uh, and talk briefly about yeah your groups in case anybody wants to join these uh, these facebook groups
1: okay um sure well first of all we need to separate two things here one um the question of whether we all reincarnate or not we simply don't know the answer to that and i'm not sure that we ever and not sure we ever will and then these the other question is how common are these memories really yeah we 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 need surveys. We really need, and we're not going to be able to answer that until we have representative surveys. Not just going sense. on to, you know, whatever site, Reddit, Facebook, whatever, and asking or going to a list on a listserv and asking how many people. I we need representative surveys, right? Where we survey a population, you know, and, and get answers mm, to that. We yeah. don't, the only survey that we have, anything like this, was done in India uh, back in uh, the nineteen eighties, the early nineteen eighties. And it it was a uh, it was a ground ground survey where um, where um uh, it, it was one of Stevenson's researchers, well two of Stevenson's research assistants actually um did this uh, did this survey um and they came up in, in this section of northern India uh, which has um uh, a, uh, you know, a very high incidence of, of reported uh, past life memory cases and incidents of about, um, <laughs> I, you know, uh, I shouldn't uh, say things like this without reviewing it, uh, but I think it was something like two in a thousand or something like that. Okay. Uh, now uh this and this was this was an estimate based on what they did and then looking at the population and, and all of this sort of stuff generalizing from what they found um and that was in northern India where these are very common mm-hmm. now um Stevenson actually thought that there was a much higher Higher incidents, probably in, 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 in among the Jews in Lebanon than in, in anywhere in the world. They're just very, very common there, and they continue to be reported. But we haven't had surveys; we don't know. Now, in the, the in this is an area the Jews have reincarnation beliefs. So there, we're talking about a culture that has sort of this you know that has reincarnation as part of its belief yeah. system right and so few people are feel more comfortable talking about them mm-hmm. they could also maybe be more likely to remember them right you know because the, in their previous lives they also had to believe you know so we just don't know how those things factor in yeah yeah what what's very interesting though is how common they are in the West and this you're right I mean you know you mentioned my group because this is me um, is I started that group in 2004 I believe it was. And before that, yeah, I was acquainted with the literature, and um, and with other researchers, and um, you know, but th- that that was based on investigated cases, right? So I I, I knew the investigated cases, I, I I knew the published cases, but um, other than comments in stevenson here and there about how about his surprise when he got into this at learning how common these experiences really were yeah i didn't know because in the west um i, I mean until i started this facebook group and the reason i started the facebook group was to make their search more widely known That was my original motive. I wanted to let people know about this research that had been going on for all these years, but very few people knew about. What I found very quickly is that people would come with their own experiences and talk about their own experiences. Okay, And that's when I realized how common they are. I think social media, not just Facebook, Reddit, all of them, Twitter, have done a great deal in allowing us to talk about these things, share them. And then what happens is that people read them. They read other accounts. They come back and say, oh, my child said the same thing. Oh, I've had an experience like this. And it just, it builds and builds and builds and builds. And you get yeah. more and more and more of this. Um, so at this point, I'm convinced that it's, it's really a very, very widespread phenomenon, much more so than we ever realized, because we never shared them with each other before and i um and i think the reason that we didn't particularly in the west is because nobody really believed it you know yeah um and i you know people dismissed and i've heard stories too you know about parents sort of putting it down putting their putting their children down when they say things like did you remember when i was the father (laughs) and and i gave you a bath things like that they'll say Uh, well you know but this is just gets dismissed. No, I don't, you know, and they, you know, the parents don't want to hear about it. Right. Yeah. Now they'll talk about it. Now they'll say, oh, my child said this. It may not be much more than that, but we now hear about those things. Whereas we never heard about them before. Um. So. I, you know, I, I do think that there is that, I think there is this unconscious and maybe conscious repression of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh but but I but I think they've probably already been there always been there uh yeah. and it's just that is the more extraordinary what, cases that they've got noticed and talked about more and then investigated and published yeah, but we, we just it. we just we just don't until we have surveys we just don't know how common really.
0: Yeah, exactly. I would, I'd love to have see those massive surveys and to see that. That would be so fascinating. Um, what did you say the name of the Facebook group is? Signs of reincarnation, I think it is. Yeah, it? it's
1: called Signs of Reincarnation. The same, the same, the same. I gave you the title of my book, but with a different <laughs> subtitle: Signs of Reincarnation, Experiences and Research, because that's the two things that it's about. It's still the group is still about research, even though it's also about people's experiences, because we try to then tell people. Their, how their experiences match in the research,
0: yeah, right. Yeah,
1: and, and so we, we because many people come on and they say this is the first time I've shared this, or they'll say I had this experience. You know, it seems so weird. You know, and I can come back and say, hey, yeah, it sounds very weird, but we know this sort of thing happens from these other cases with verified past life memories. Yeah. So I can take the patterns from the verified past life memory cases and say, okay what you're saying even though it can't be verified fits these patterns and I think that's important to give yeah. people that feedback and give them the chance to 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 air their experiences it also definitely. gives me a chance to learn about new cases you know
0: yeah 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 definitely it, it liberates people doesn't it to, to yeah. share and as then they share more people will feel liberated to share so it, again it has this snowball effect that's so important and particularly
1: particularly when we're able to relate it to the research and you know and, and and at the same time when people bring in really bizarre ideas about reincarnation we can say oh no there's no research support for that
0: yeah yeah um how many cases have you come across where there are a child remembers more than one previous life and i know that normally they remember one in in detail and one is kind of like a fleeting uh memory but have you have you researched cases that that Tick those boxes, and and how many?
1: I'm trying to think whether I, okay. There's a there's a difference between children and adults when it comes to this. Mm. Um, children sometimes do remember two or three, and Stevenson has one with four uh, previous lives. Those are unusual, and and when you get up to three or four, it's pretty rare. With adults, it's much more common. It is much more common for adults to remember multiple lives. And 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 yes, I've I, I I've 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 researched some adult memories with multiple past life memories. I've such no children that can think of okay. offhand with multiple past life memories. But adults, yeah. yes, I have.
0: Yeah. And those adult cases, did they come from past life regression or would they No No no
1: no. No, I, I look only at spontaneous memories. Um, regressions and, and you know people are the audience will be much more you know acquainted with them uh, probably than uh, than the spontaneous memories many people are that's why I say that um, because the regression stuff is just so much more out, invisible right I mean that's what I came to that's what I found first right mm-hmm. when I first start getting into this before I found Stevenson so it's just there's just much more of it and there's more yeah. of it now too. Um, but no, um, it, it's interesting. Stevenson early on um, did look at some regressions. He moved away from it pretty quickly because he found that um, the regression things are very hard to verify, and they're often wrong, it turns yeah. out, when you do look at them. Um, and you don't have with the regressions many of the other th- really Phenomenal things that you have with the, with the spontaneous memories. Yeah. Um, the, the emotions, the behavior, some of that does come up, you know, in their aggressions, but not in the same way, because you if you can't, if you can't correlate the memories to the previous life in the same way, even if in their aggressions, memories are expressed and somebody acts in bizarre ways, you can't relate that to a previous person.
0: Yeah.
1: In the same way you can with spontaneous cases. Yeah. Um. So Stevenson moved away from regression pretty early, and by the end of his life, he was very soured on it. Mm-hmm. And so, for th- therefore, you know, people like me who investigate these cases, stay with the spontaneous cases.
0: Yeah. But you said you have had some cases of adults who have these spontaneous memories because i haven't come across many instances of that normally when adults are involved in these not every time but normally it tends to be related to the yeah, the regression therapy so you've you've oh, researched no. there, cases there are, there of, are a
1: number of, yeah no there, there are a number of cases that have these memory that have them spontaneously are, i mean are they one... normally
0: sorry just to jump in with an extra question on top of my other ones are they are these cases normally attached to like is it does the adult remember the memories since childhood or do they spontaneously come in while they're an adult
1: right now that that's a that's i'll get to that okay okay um the answer (laughs) is yes very often but but let me um but not always um one one case is very well known and so your viewers may be aware of it is um um jeffrey keen jeff keen Mm -hmm. uh he his memory started when he went to a, a Civil War battlefield here in the States. Um, and um, something triggered his memories there. Um, and he started having uh, um, flashbacks, dreams uh, after that. And he went to various psychics who told him things. Anyway, he was able to identify the person whose life he remembered. Okay. And it turned out when he did that that the 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 the, who's, the past life general whose life he remembered had a wound, and in fact had various um, had various. This is actually a complicated thing, but I uh, uh, but he had one particular wound on his forehead which matched a wound that Jeff Keen or a birthmark that Jeff Keene has. OK, yeah, yeah. Um, so here's an adult case that's linked to a birthmark and these memories that came up spontaneously, not through aggression. That is, wow. this is an American case and very well known. Um, but there are others.
0: Do you do you find that to be a, a compelling case?
1: I do. Uh, and he recently sent me particularly because of the. Um, um of the physical things he's recently sent me um a number of other uh you know uh, information about a number of other physical things Mm -hmm. uh that relate him to um to this per to the general uh, that have not been brought out before so i'll be writing a journal paper about his case focusing on those things um but uh i do i do find that a compelling case there's a um uh, another case that I studied, to come back to one of your questions about um, um, uh, another adult case with multiple past lives uh, that I now have in a journal, it's been submitted to her journal. Um, uh, and uh, she had, um, she remembered seven lives, mm-hmm. um, one of which, the most recent one. Uh, she was able to get the identity on, right, and um, she she had records of many dated search records and other dated records of things before she verified them. So it's one of these written record cases. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting in her case is not only that there were these seven lives, but that her her memories. Only began to come in her fifties. Okay. Right. However, behaviors associated with that life and with another life that she remembered very well showed up from early, early, early in her childhood. Wow. Um things like, I mean, the, the verified life was a was a death in Vietnam, American. In, killed in Vietnam. And it was things like early on, well, she had a near-death, and this is another thing, she had a near-death experience. Some of her memories began to come clear after her near-death experience. And this is something we see sometimes. An after-effect of near-death experience can be the past life memories coming up. So that's that's another factor we see in the retrieval of the memories hmm. um, and you know there, there are all sorts of after effects within the ease right I mean that's a big area of, of interest yeah. and of study and this yeah. is one of them but but it wasn't the beginning because there were other behavioral things that were even earlier
0: Yeah,
1: but after her near death experience <laughs> and this is years near death experience was in her 20s this is 30 years before she had these memories she started dressing in army fatigues. She started getting interested in Vietnam. She started um, decorating her dorm room with pictures of fighter planes and helicopters. This is a French woman. What? You know, (laughs) and then she does a, um, she was a, um, she had decided to go into veterinary uh, where she was, uh, she decided to go into. She was in, really interested, originally interested in, in veterinary medicine. After her, her NDE, she decided to go into horse breeding. So okay. she went um, to the states um, to a to do an apprenticeship uh, at a, uh, in, in a in a breeding program in, in a veterinary clinic. And while there, she had some, some, some curious sort of flashbacks. And also, this is long before, right, she had the memories. But she actually actually left there beginning to joke when she went back to France that she had been an American soldier killed in Vietnam. She actually joked about that. This is 30 years before she had the memories. She thought it was a total joke.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so but that just shows that these memories can be there subliminally, mm. right? Both the behaviors and yeah. they can surface in these sort of indirect ways, bef- well before. It's the
0: same with course. our normal memories, right? It's like the... I, you forget loads of things you do, and then suddenly you'll do something similar to something you did ten years ago, and boom! Oh, and I boom, it comes back. It yeah, is very it's...
1: similar, and yeah. this is something I like to point out. Past life memory is very, very mm. similar to present life memory.
0: Yeah.
1: Again and again, and again, we see this. And this is one of the strongest indicators we're not talking about ESP. I mean, to me. I yeah. mean, and this is one of the skeptical, particularly, you see this in parapsychology. The super too. Psi, yeah. The, the super psi explanation of all It just doesn't yeah. work. Because we're not talking about any kind of psi. We're talking about memory.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think the emotional side of this as well is something that goes against the the, the super psi hypothesis. But
1: I agree. Yeah, And really the behaviors too. And the behaviors yeah. also. I mean, yeah. the whole the whole the whole case when you look at the whole cases, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess it comes down to like the really identifying yourself as this person rather than just having information about
1: uh, right, a, a, and you know, and that that's a key element here is identifying yeah. the person. The children, yeah. the adults whether it's waking or dream memories they identify with them
0: yeah yeah let me ask I, you oh sorry go on
1: and they talk about them i
0: yeah 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 i yeah, absolutely and and mum and dad and and yeah what have you um a couple of really quick questions um and then we we can kind of wrap up part one of this um <laughs> so let me ask you just uh in terms of past life memories cropping up in dreams so i'm Mm -hmm. thinking you know like again it's more of a speculation area so i'm not looking for you for for data and things here and figures but do you think that that's something that would happen you know to to normal people do you think occasionally normal people you know do you think occasionally people that aren't aware of having any memories would would sometimes have a dream that might relate to a past life they might not realize it some people might realize it some people might realize it's strange and decide to investigate it and then later on find out but either way do you think do you think these things would crop up in dreams in general
1: uh yes I do yeah uh it's this is something I've looked into because I'm I've gotten quite interested in this as a matter of fact um you know and and when I first started hearing about these past life dreams I thought is it possible for memories to occur in dreams. And so has there been research on this? And there has been. There has been research on regular, this life memories occurring in dreams. Yeah. And apparently they do. I mean, and there, there've there been studies, how often do they? Um, memory researchers distinguish between, well, for auto, different types of autobiographical memories, which is memories of ourselves, right, of our own lives. Mm-hmm. Some autobiographical memories are just like flashes, you know, fragments, fragmentary things. Then other autobiographical memories are what are called episodic memories. They're the ones that are, that go on for a longer time. You know, you, you, you have a more connected, cohesive memory. Um, the autobiographical memories, it turns out, occur in dreams or for, of, the, of the present life and current dreams regularly. In fact, that one of the one of the thoughts about the purpose of dreams is to help consolidate these memories. The people are thinking of consolidating in the brain, of course, um, uh, or working through things to do with the memories. Yeah, uh, and and putting them together in you know in imaginative ways. Um, the episodic memories that appear in dreams appear much less commonly. Um, uh, the the in the figures that they came up with is only 20 only 2% of dream reports have episodic memories and there've been other studies that have looked at this i cannot imagine going to what, being a subject in one of these studies and being woken up all the time yeah. but what they what they have discovered when they when they've studied this in the dream lab is that that memories occur in dreams throughout the night they occur both in REM sleep and non REM sleep.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, episodic memories tend to occur in dreams more often in non REM sleep and more often in the later stages of the night. Okay. Now, that's regular memories we're talking about here. Yeah. So, if that occurs with normal memories, if past life memory really is like normal memory, we'd expect to see the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we don't yet have. Lab, dream lab studies of past life memories so we don't know you know whether you know whether the fine-grained things hold but definitely people will talk about past life memories in their dreams and sometimes it's been possible to verify those memories yeah. okay um, now when those when they're verified that one we see two different things we see that the memories are like entirely accurate. And we see that they're not, that that there are things about them that are accurate and there are things about them that are distorted. Stevenson, for instance, had one uh, dream of a guy who um, dreamed he was sitting under a balcony. uh, This is in Lebanon, a concrete balcony or a stone balcony, and it collapsed. It fell on his head, and that's how he was killed. Right. He remembered other things, too. Uh Well, in his dream, he also remembered that after this had happened, all, all, all the blocks were around him, that goats came. And goats were climbing over the blocks and, you know, and everything. Okay. So Stevenson, the, he remembered enough that Stevenson was able to identify this person who was not connected to the family at all. It's a stranger case. um. And indeed, the guy was killed when he was sitting under this balcony, which collapsed, and he was killed in the way. You no. Know. However, there were no goats there at the time. There were goats in Lebanon. He'd had acquaintance with goats, but there were no goats there after he died. So his dream brought in the goats. Yeah. You see. Um, and so we have to be very careful with these with the past life dreams that people have and letting them know that they're not necessarily totally valid. You know, there may be truth there. There may not be another one that I investigated. A woman uh, had a dream of a, uh, of having, uh, uh, of being in a bar and uh, being killed when she was struck in the back uh, um, um, by a knife, somebody knifed her in the back hmm well there's something she didn't know <laughs> she had a birthmark there she had also had phantom pains in her back and she thought this explained her phantom pains what she didn't know is she had a birthmark there nobody had ever told her she had a birthmark in her back at the place that she had these phantom pains yeah and in the place that she dreamed that she would stab. you know and so she thought that was the explanation of a birthmark what it came out is her family had never told her something and her husband had never told her something that her birthmark was more likely linked to a great uncle who was killed in the high, she was in Guatemala who was killed in the highlands of Guatemala with a machete strike. So it wasn't in a bar. It wasn't a knife. It was in the back. It was with a bladed weapon. Mm. It was in the same place so there's this transformation then in the dream right it took yeah. a reality and so you just can't be sure unless yeah. you know the reality what the whether the dream is accurate or not but yeah it, in we do know that past life experiences can be expressed in dreams we just don't know whether it's like and and, and and we also know that they're very much like this life memories yeah. Where they can sometimes be fragmentary, they can sometimes be episodic, they can sometimes or, or be like replays, and they can yeah. sometimes be mixing mix-ups. We just don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, bits of reality, bits of, yeah, all, all kind of merged together. It also makes me think a little bit of James, uh, Leininger with his, you know, he had the Night Terrors and then with the, the detail of the, the Corsair, didn't he? I think he said he died flying a Corsair, which he didn't. However, which- he was one of the rare people to, to fly this Corsair and to, to, I think while they were testing it or something, I don't know exactly that I can't remember the, the intricacies, but, but he had a relationship to the Corsair, um, which came through in that, that way. Um, but yeah, fascinating.
1: Yes. Yeah, precisely. I mean, that's a good example. And this is something the skeptics don't, don't accept, right? They want to dismiss it because he made that mistake. Whereas it's quite understandable psychologically.
0: Yeah, I think it's easy for for you know the hardcore, the diehard skeptic, they they come up with all these things. Oh yeah, that disproves it. But for us, the the, the people that are really interested in these areas and are open minded, not not just blind believers, of course, not far from it. But it raises questions, the same questions. But we want to know the answers rather right, than just right. having it as a rhetorical question that dismisses everything. And- um, we we want to understand why why do these things happen like this, and why does this present itself like that. Um, one of the last things now just before yeah we kind of tie this up um I wanted to, to to ask you about animal reincarnation as kind of a taster oh. for our part two
1: okay. uh, where
0: we're going to talk about like end of life experiences and after death communications and things like that in animals um so yeah have you what are your thoughts on animal or i think i mentioned to you in an email before i think i called it uh, interspecies or intraspecies reincarnation what are your thoughts on on that phenomenon do you think it's uh, credible and and is there a, a case that you'd want to mention briefly
1: um well uh there are two things here again we need to distinguish between intra-species, that is coming back in the same species, versus interspecies, which is coming back in a different species. Okay,
0: inter is what I was getting at. I said both to cover all bases because I couldn't think right. which one I was. Uh... And
1: maybe maybe we'll talk about the intro one in the, in the next hour because this is something that 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 I'm getting in really interested in is do animals actually reincarnate? Uh, yeah. And it turns out that there is some anecdotal. It's still very anecdotal, and it's hard to yeah. see. How it's not going to be anecdotal ever. But, you know, there are enough of the cases we can look at patterns in them. But we'll talk more about that, of, anim- of dogs coming back as dogs, cats as cats, and so forth. But you're mm-hmm. asking now, can cats come back as humans? Can humans yeah. come back as cats? Um, yeah. And um, there's um, very little evidence of that. And I, um, I'll i give my reasons for doubt. Um, um uh, uh, there, there are several reasons for doubt. First of all, Stevenson was skeptical too. Um, he ran across these accounts sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but much less often than he'd expected. Because, in you know, Asia, it's part of Hinduism and Buddhism and the others um, to believe, you know, that there's this cycle between humans and animals and back to humans. If, you know, in the whole karmic idea, I mean, one of the major punishments if you've done really bad is to be reborn as an animal and so forth. Um And Stevenson had very, very few of those cases. Now, I mentioned before there was a child who remembered four past lives. One of his past lives was as an animal. Mm. Um, but all he said was, I was this animal.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's typical of most of these. They, they say, I was this animal without really giving any evidence of it. mm mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's more interesting where um in another one of stevenson's cases um, the person claimed that he had life as a monkey and that, chimpanzee, it, is it no 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 not not, not an ape not not an ape but it was just a monkey yeah. of the kind you find in india okay. um and so um, yeah uh, uh, um now um and he had hung out in this in this tree, and this is something that's interesting about the Asian versus Western. We haven't really talked about that as intermission memories, uh, you know, the memories of the period between lives. And I'll just mention this very briefly because we really don't have time to get into it. But um, in in Asia. The 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 well in the West, we, we, what do we do after we die? We go to heaven. In Asia, no, they 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 imagine the, the 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 interlife between lives as passing in a realistic terrestrial setting. So they'll say things like, "I was in a tree, I was in a field, I, I saw," it, and they see things. They see things that actually happen sometimes. Yeah. So So, um, this person, if I'm recalling this case right. Uh, recalled having been in this tree and he was with these monkeys and so forth. And he was a monkey, he thought, in his previous life. Well, it, it turned out when Stevenson investigated this case, I mean, the tree, you know, th- there was a tree with monkeys in it not far from that. You know, it was just like, you can see how he could imagine then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He could maybe have had uh, an intermission experience involving monkeys
0: where he wasn't really a monkey but he was around monkeys and therefore he thought he you can see how this would work maybe they sensed him his presence and reacted to him and yeah,
1: yeah. you know something like that you know and so yeah. you can sort of and, and there are other cases like that um where you you can sort of see how this, this 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 idea uh would have been prompted and so it looks to me more like a psychological idea. Um, you know than, than anything that there's any proof about. Um, now, there is a, um, a case that uh, Jim Tucker wrote about in one of his books that many people cite. Uh, isn't this a good example of it? And I'll say a little bit about that because it has some interesting features and I'll explain why I don't give it credence. Um, it was a Burmese case um, where a child was born with um like Ix, Ix, i can pronounce it right ixiosis i think it's
0: pronounced yeah the scaly uh, yeah. the
1: scaly skin um so it's sort of like plaque psoriasis but it's different but anyway the scaly skin and um and he was presumed to be a snake now uh he, the story goes that he had these past life that he claimed to remember certain things about the snake life including being killed um and um, one of Stevenson's research assistants um, who knew Burma well, Francis Story, looked into this case. It was in a very remote part of Burma, and, and Stevenson never got there himself. Uh, Story looked into the case. He never wrote about it, though, which I think is important, because Story did write about other cases. Mm-hmm. He never wrote about this one. You know, He did take notes, and it's those notes that Jim Tucker's account is based on um now um the case is an extreme extreme outlier because there are no other cases anywhere remotely like that of these sort of detailed memories requiring claiming to be a a snake and so forth Mm -hmm. um and so I, i i really doubt that um and I got a, Jim Tucker, I to scriptograph it and put it in his book because I keep having to explain it um but there's something else that that, that Stevenson um started another case of, of also in Burma of ichthyosis of a person claiming to be a snake and um he he looked into that one and again Found no foundation to it, and what it seems is that in that it, uh, Thailand, I think these were Thailand, both Thai cases, not Burmese. But anyway, I think what this suggests is that in Thailand, there's this idea: if you have that affliction, that this indicates that you are a snake, and so these these folk tales sort of crew they build up, or people will imagine for themselves. I mean, their society tells them, you know, that this is what happened. This is an indication you were a snake. And so they imagine the snake life. I think that is, I think that's much more likely to be what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but I'm guessing you wouldn't rule it out. I'm guessing you're kind of open. To I, I, won't it I, I, I won't rule it out.
1: Um, yeah. I won't I rule it out completely. I do think it's possible. Let me explain the, theoretically why I have my doubts though. And, and why I still keep in sort of an open mind about it, you know, under certain, certain circumstances, maybe it's possible. Yeah. Um I, you know, I've said before that I think what what reincarnation is simply consciousness, a stream of consciousness. What survives death is consciousness. I think that's what, I think that's how we can explain all of the phenomena through consciousness, through the survival and reincarnation of consciousness. Well, if that's the case, consciousness—if we think about this—consciousness has to work with brains, has to work with bodies. Yeah. Uh, and something else here, if we if we think logically when did reincarnation start i mean could it have Mm -hmm. started with human beings well that doesn't really make any sense and if we're talking about animal reincarnation clearly it did not i think reincarnation probably began when life began now that's Mm -hmm. an awful long time ago and in evolutionary terms an awful lot has happened but if that's the case then maybe our consciousness has evolved over that time not just physical form but consciousness and it would seem logical that consciousness would have evolved to work in the physical form so that as life has evolved, consciousness has evolved to work in different types of organisms. And mm-hmm. so then if organisms are too different, I doubt then that their consciousness is able then to reincarnate in those bodies. Yeah. Right yeah, yeah. now, however, if, you know, during speciation or, during like we we know now if we look it back at at, uh, at human hominid history we know that there, that we with that human that the humans that we are now interbred with Neanderthals and other you know subspecies we know that there was a lot of interbreeding between human species there was much much a much greater radiation of of human human uh, human um of, of species in the in the human family line um and there was interbreeding between them uh they were close enough obviously you know for them to be you know even though they're identified on whatever grounds by being different species they were morphologically different you know and yet they were they were similar enough that it allowed uh interbreeding and if it allowed interbreeding, I think probably it allows reincarnation too, yeah. You know, yeah. and so that's sort of my rule of thumb. And you know, maybe there are other animals then that are close enough to humans. Like I've heard recently about some guy who thinks he was a pig. Now, mm. the, you hardly ever hear about people claiming lies as pigs because that's not something that people normally think of. However, he has some interesting things here, so I'm still thinking about his case but pig organs are close enough to human organs they're actually yeah. used in transplants yeah so maybe maybe pigs are close enough i don't know but i that's what this is why i have an open mind i don't know but also yeah. why i'm skeptical
0: no, yeah but- absolutely just to kind of give my my two cents in it, it, it's a similar way of thinking of it but it's slightly different so i i get what you're saying in terms of I kind of make up a metaphor for it so you're saying like if we think of consciousness as like a key and the brain as a lock we're saying like the the key that we have wouldn't necessarily fit the same you know the brain of the, the animal brains right i i think of it slightly different i just think maybe if it is possible and again i'm, I'm not saying anything with any certainty at all if it is possible for us to for, for multiple species to reincarnate in you know interspecies reincarnation as it were then i think maybe for example we the memories that we would gain from a life lived as either a human or a cat or a dog or whatever wouldn't necessarily then be maybe compatible with the brain of the other animals so maybe that's one way of of kind of again just thinking about it just one way of speculating about it that maybe yeah if I lived a previous life as a as a parrot maybe my current brain is not it's just not the right kind of system, you know, to to download those memories. And so it just doesn't really come in. Maybe I occasionally would have dreams of flying. Unfortunately, I don't really have those dreams very often. But <laughs> yeah, just my yeah, kind yeah, of personal yeah. Yeah, speculations.
1: Yeah, right. that's exactly what I'm saying. And let me just quickly add something else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there are, and we haven't talked much about the reincarnation patterns, where people are reborn.
0: Um, Normally close to home.
1: Normally close to home, but there are international cases, which are also interethnic cases or interlinguistic cases. And in those, the the children who remember this, not only will they use languages from the previous life sometimes, Mm -hmm. they will also have resistances to their native language. They will have cultural resistance to, where they hate the food, they hate the climate, and so forth. It, it takes years sometimes. and it's not, I, I, I've heard of adults too who still have have, have have trouble accepting. They still dislike, you know, the climate, the culture in which they were born, yeah. because yeah. they recall things so strongly from previous lives. I've also heard of cases where uh, where people who remember having been illiterate in previous lives, have trouble learning to read and write. Mm-hmm. So if if those things are valid, how much more difficult would it be yeah. to be an animal and become a human? And, yeah. and wouldn't we expect then to see in the human children deficits and difficulties yeah. far beyond what we would see you know, from a, simply a human life, and yet we don't and and so you know and, and so that, logically a,
0: you think probably yeah right yeah you think, yeah you, you, expect you think, to see more of that stuff but then to, to counter it with more speculation uh, what about if uh if if you're an animal in a previous life maybe you have to spend more time in your intermission place like kind of readjusting to get ready for your again i'm, I'm way off in speculation here but,
1: but that's it's, <laughs> all we could do um That's all we can do. And I think it's perfectly fair to speculate about these things and think about them and think how logical they are and whether they really fit the data. I mean, that's what we have to come back to at the end, in my view, is the data.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. As long as we differentiate between where we have data, when when we're talking about things that are actually based in reality versus things that we're just kind of, yeah, trying to spitball about and trying to figure out. Um, so yeah, very briefly, if you could mention a couple of your books on on this topic and and give people you know just kind of a brief lowdown, and if there's one or two other books that pop into your mind that people should read, um, in general, it can be related to this specific topic of reincarnation. It could be related to you know a more general area of parapsychology or, or whatever really. But mm. yeah, if you could just mention a few books briefly, that'd be that'd be great.
1: Well, let me stay with reincarnation because beyond that is much too much. And with yeah. uh, anything by Stevenson, first of all. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. uh, Jim Tucker. We've we've talked about him. Okay. Um, Let me just say that at first. I'll come back to some of the others later. Uh, You know, now my books, we talked about one of them, um, the one with Erland Harrelson. Yeah, I saw a light and came here. That was my first one. That was 2016. Um, then my other one is a solo book 2019 and i mentioned that briefly too it's called signs of reincarnation it has a different subtitle than my facebook group it's um exploring beliefs cases and theory and what it is is a review of the research uh that has been done on reincarnation you know worldwide and 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 connecting it to beliefs very often, because the the research does connect to beliefs in various ways that we really don't have time to go into here. Um, yeah. But it's there in the book for those who are interested in it. Uh, and then developing a theory. I mean, along the same lines, we've been talking about today when we get into that. Oh. So there's more information on, on all the things that I, that I've talked about today in that book. Um, now, others you might want to to look at. Yeah, there, there are several. I mean. Um, there's a, a a good book um, that was published fairly recently, in fact, um, by um, an Indian researcher who was one of Stevenson's uh, research assistants and a Dutch mm-hmm. researcher, um, uh, um, K.S. Rawat and Titus Rivas. Okay. Um, you know, they, it, it, they don't have... Um, as many case descriptions as I wish they did, particularly from Rawitz's cases from India, um, but they have some very interesting ones, including ones that Titus Rivas has investigated himself in the Netherlands. So it, that's yeah. that. That book is worth looking at. Cool. Um, yeah. I guess those would be the main ones. Points.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's brilliant. That's that's already great. And if if anybody's interested, I'll, I'll try and put as many links in the description as I can. Your books will certainly be linked down there. I know you said you don't want to come here to self promote, but I, I insist to put them <laughs> down there. So if anybody can, yeah, wants to wants to read them, they can find them down um, there. Yeah. Besides books,
1: let me also again mention the Sci Encyclopedia because we now yeah. have. We now have over one hundred articles on reincarnation in the Science Encyclopedia. Yeah, and wow. so it covers every aspect, all the aspects we've talked about here, I believe, plus many mm-hmm. more. You know, yeah. and you know, and so you'll find articles there that deal, say, with behaviors in reincarnation mm-hmm. cases. You'll find, you know, the replacement reincarnation. You'll find all sorts of things. You'll yeah. also find biographies of the different researchers, yeah. like, like Stevenson, yeah. like Tucker, like Harrelson, like me. You know, you find those there. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's a great, it's a great resource. And if you want to move beyond reincarnation into parapsychology, it's a great resource exactly. for that too, because so it's, it's, say, a, it's, yeah. it's a very wide resource for parapsychology in general, not specifically for reincarnation
0: yeah definitely I've, I've linked it numerous times in my episode descriptions because it's a really handy tool um the very last question for now for now until we until we do part two uh <laughs> and if the challenge is you can do this in as quick a time as you possibly can in a nutshell even though it's a question that you could probably normally take an hour answering <laughs> okay. um, what what happens after we die
1: Oh, what happens after we die? Well,
0: this. Case- and I know that we, we we agree that we survive death. We, we, we'll agree. We're already agreed on that. And um, a little bit more detail again in your your personal kind of. Feelings. Right.
1: Well, I touched on that. Well, it's not just my personal feelings. I'll, again, I'll come back to the data. Uh, yeah, because of we do have these cases, which I mentioned of intermission memories. We do have the kids that remember what happened after they die, um, and, and what happened between then and their rebirth. Um, and we have, we have, you know,
0: uh, whole body of evidence, yeah, yeah.
1: We we have we have these, and we know um, uh, there was. We 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 can divide them into stages, which are very similar to the near death stages. You know, near in near death experiences, they normally talk about three stages, right? Leaving the body, you know, a, a phase during the out of the body when, since weird things can happen, and then returning to the body. Well, in the intermission memories, we see five stages. Mm-hmm. You know, dying, leaving the body, the weird things which happen, and not so weird things that happen um, between death and and rebirth, and then instead of returning to the body, selecting the new parents, yeah. and then the fourth stage in the intermission memories is the period in the womb, and the fifth stage is birth. So there, there are rare cases that have all five stages. Most of them have one or two of the stages um and yet you know we can call them all intermission memories because we can put them in this framework right we can see how they fit in the patterns mm-hmm. um now there are differences between the intermission memories in the near-death experiences um you know, and I, I mentioned the, the the name of, of Erlanders in my book is I Saw a Light and Came Here. And that was a quote from one of the children. And the cemetery, similarity between that, seeing the light, and near-death experiences where it's more common. It's rare in intermission in memories, though. It's not very common. Um, yeah. Another thing which we do not hear in intermission memories at all, uh, in the spontaneous ones, is life reviews. Mm-hmm. um they don't have the life reviews they do in near-death experiences yeah. um and that may be because in the near-death experiences they haven't really broken completely with the body and with that life and so it's still of a value to go back and review that life and see when you come back to your body other there things you can do differently. yeah anyway that's sort of my thinking of why we don't see that in the intermission memories what we yeah. do see in the intermission memories, though, that sound very much like near-death experiences, is that meetings with all sorts of discarnate entities, Okay, um, which occasionally are spirits of deceased relatives, more often their um, meetings with um, in the West it's either Jesus or angels, sometimes God. In Asia, Entities that have the very same roles, and acting as escorts, and guiding them to the rebirth, are called by different things appropriate to that particular culture. They're called by the names of the deities within that culture, um, or in case of Buddhism, where you don't have the deities, they're called they're called monks, and they 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 are dressed as Buddhist monks are, so. Right. I think probably we may... I think we probably are dealing with similar sort of entities here which are perceived differently according to the culture. Yeah. yeah. And so we're talking about the cultural perceptions versus what the entities actually do. But there is the question. I mean, are these entities really separate from the person? Are they entities in their own right? Or are they sort of spinoffs of the person, you know? Um I tend to think that they are entities in their own right. Most of them. Um, And I I tend to think that they also are streams of consciousness, just streams of consciousness that have never been embodied. Yeah. You know, you know, so, um, but yeah, you know, so yes, we have a lot of memories of, of the period between death and, and rebirth. Another thing that happens in that period is uh, people will send will enter dreams of their living. Uh, so people will see the dreams of the deceased, and some of these dreams, the um, they'll let them know that they plan to be reborn. Um, sometimes they'll tell them where, um, and and also during the intermission period, you can get mediumistic communications. There are in, re- in reincarnation cases examples of mediums receiving messages saying that they're going to be reborn. So I mentioned this with Salusandra Simona earlier, for instance. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there are all these indications that between death and rebirth, that that you know that there is consciousness that continues. There's an identity that continues. There's some sort of life. If we want to call, if we want to say life has to do with embodied life, then okay, but there's existence, right?
0: Life after life. Yeah.
1: yeah I mean, and, and all of this sort of course dovetails with mediumship, right? And yeah. apparitions. And I mean, the, the, also, yeah. the other thing that happens in the reincarnation cases, sometimes you're seen as an apparition. So all of these types of survival phenomena that parapsychology has been studying, psycho research has been studying since the 1880s, turn up in the reincarnation cases. So definitely there is this life after death, right? Definitely there is this consciousness that continues. And there is this interaction that takes place between the discarnate entity and the living that then goes on to reincarnate so it's all part of the piece
0: yeah yeah absolutely great answer um thank you so much for this jim i've really enjoyed talking to you about about this this phenomenon i'm really looking forward to to talking to you about the in our part two about similar uh, death related uh, phenomena in animals um, and and so, other things
1: to have to do with animals to, you know, absolutely. to, uh, you know, to, to sort of work the appetite of people. Well, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. These have been excellent questions. I've enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Thank you to James Matlock for talking with me. Thank you to our patrons for their immense generosity. And thank you for listening to part one of this interview. I hope you enjoyed it and learned some new things about life, death, and reality. Stay tuned for part two, where we discuss a scientific approach to death related phenomena in our pets and other animals. If you want to join us on our journey to unravel the universe, please subscribe. Thank you.